female in technology looking to reach the VP level and beyond? Join me, Lisa Kostova, and guests for honest and real tips, strategies, and conversation to accelerate and most importantly, enjoy your career climb today. So welcome. Today, I want to discuss with you guys how to think strategically. And this topic is relevant for anybody who is a professional climbing in their career, specifically in the very dynamic and fast moving world of tech, as well as those of you guys who are running your own businesses. But most of my examples, and primarily I'll be talking from the perspective of people, women specifically, who are working in fast moving corporate environments, fast moving technology companies. So I was asked by some of the fantastic ladies who are in my group coaching program, the Product Executive Accelerator. They're so amazing. I'm proud of each and every single one of them. They have asked me, Lisa, you know, we've noticed that you're a strategic thinker. Heck, even my company has strategy in its name. It's Athena Strategy Partners. And I can even share with you guys kind of how the mascot. So Athena is the Greek goddess of wisdom and strategy. And she was known as the great war strategist because she only went to war when there was no diplomatic solution. And she's depicted with an owl on her hand. The symbol for my company, if you have ever received my emails or my assistant's emails, has a little owl depiction in the company name. And I'll show you what's on my desk here. I have this little guy here, this little guy who sits, you know, I guess he can be on my hand like so. For those of you listening to audio only version, I am showing a beautiful white owl paper mache, I guess you say, that I have on my desk as an inspiration to always take the long view, always think strategically, always slow down and think big picture. So with that in mind, I wanted to share with you guys my approach to strategy and why I'm so fascinated with it and how I develop strategic thinking throughout my career. A lot of us, as we ascend in our career, start getting the feedback you you get to step up, you get to think strategically, you get to be a thought leader, you get to think bigger picture, right? If you guys are hearing this feedback, that is excellent news because that means you're stepping up your game and you are, you're getting ready to level up. And that's really the name of the game here. It's not about arriving to some place in your career or your life. It's about the journey process. I don't know how many of you guys have taken the Clifton Strengths Assessment. I like that. I'm a learning junkie, so I've taken all kinds of assessments and all kinds of tools. And of all the ones that I've looked at, I found Clifton Strengths to be one of the better ones. And in there, there are four different categories of strengths that you can have. And they look at the top five or 20 five that you exhibit and they say, well, 
you're really strong in this specific area. And one of the areas is strategy. So there's a number of skills that are listed in the category strategy. And when I did my Clifton Strengths, four out of my top five strengths all fell into the strategy category. So for me, that was very interesting because I have always thought that everybody operates this way. Everybody thinks this way. And when you have a strength that comes naturally to you, and this is so important to understand, guys. Yeah, sure. Be proud of it. Be be happy about it. But it, it it's so important to try to understand what the principles behind it are so that you can teach it to others. When others look up to you about a specific strength or talent that you have, they'll often ask you to teach them that. And that's a great growth and learning opportunity for you because then you can try to reverse engineer it, try to understand how you do something that comes naturally to you. And when you teach it, when you understand it, when you try to break it down like that, you're going to get better at it because you're going to become more intentional at it. So the same with this question, Lisa, how do we think more strategically? So I really sat down and I put my strategy hat on. I had my little friend here, Mr. Owl, Snow Owl. And I said, okay, well, let's try to figure out what are the fundamentals of strategic thinking. And what I teased out was that, first of all, the type of thinking that is called strategic thinking is really, really different from normal, busy chatter, normal, busy work, normal thoughts that circulate in our head that are about tasks. So strategic thinking is in my mind, fundamentally a creative endeavor. It's a whole different type of thinking than the linear thinking, which is very predictable. So my first advice or my first pointer to those of you who want to start thinking strategically is you need to create the space in your life for strategic thought to come in to have the space to think strategically. If you're constantly running around, completing tasks and to-do lists, it's going to be very challenging. You need to have dedicated time on your calendar that you protect where you can unplug from the daily noise and just let yourself breathe. So for me, those are specific times in the day. I have a very established morning routine, which in addition to different forms of movement, has a contemplation and meditation component as well. I make sure to go out in nature at least once a day, even if it means going around the block. We are lucky to live by a park and just feel the wind on my face, feel the sun on my skin and not bring the phone and stare at it, right? Because that defeats the purpose. Just finding time to unplug from the matrix is so, so, so important. That's when, that's when creative inspiration, that's when, that's when inspiration can strike. And the same is true at night. Sometimes we remember our dreams and I encourage you, if you do remember your dreams when you wake up, take a note of them, jot them down because the memory goes away after about a minute or two. 
So a lot of times your mind is working at night when you're sleeping and sometimes you make interesting connections in your sleep, really. It's been documented. A lot of inventors and scientists have actually gotten some of the wires have connected somehow during their sleep and they've woken up and now they're where they were stumped before. Now the mind has found a way to connect these patterns or these dots, right? So the prerequisite for strategic thinking is the ability to let yourself be without an agenda or let yourself not worry constantly about tasks that you have on your list. And then once that is, once you have the container, once you have the space in your life where you make that possible, then the next step is to really understand the key ingredients of strategic thinking. And those are two. One is curiosity. So that's the first ingredient. The first ingredient is curiosity. And it really is that desire to get the 30,000 foot view of the forest rather than just being so nose down that you're only seeing the trees around you. It's a whole different perspective. I mean, if you zoom up and you take the whole forest, then you're going to be able to take in the valleys, the landscapes, the curvature of the land. You're going to be able to see paths and streams and how things connect. You're going to be able to see a bigger picture. And if you look at the universe, you know, from a quantum physics perspective, we don't know where it ends in the macrocosm or the microcosm because we can go further and further down on the smaller scale and we can like expand further and further on the larger scale. And these patterns and principles repeat, right? There's, there's systems that have the same principles that are like planetary systems and galactical systems than, you know, things that are in nature here on earth, things that are in our bodies on a molecular level. So all of these things are, seem to be operating according to similar principles, seem to have similar shapes. And really the curiosity is that, that desire to want to understand those similarities and to be able to spot the patterns, right? And that's the second ingredient to strategic thinking. One is the curiosity, and then the, the other is the desire to spot the patterns and systems that underlie all these things, which on the surface are very, very different. It's, it's, it, it's having that, that spark in you that has driven a lot of the inventors and innovators like Leonardo da Vinci, for example, to like his Vitruvian man, right? If you've seen it, it's a picture of uh, a human body, a male human body, and then how it fits in different geometric patterns. And the golden mean ratio, meaning that the proportion of certain parts of our body relative to other parts of our body are all following the same number, the same ratio, which is called the golden mean ratio. And it is related to the number pi. And as you guys may know, it's an infinite number. You can keep iterating, you know, it's like a one point something. Again, I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't have that specific memory, but the pi number is infinite. It never, ever ends. 
And there's so many interesting things around us that are observable in nature, in physics, biology, in history, in arts, in culture, in literature, in language, in just so many different fascinating examples around us that were either created by nature or by humans that are so beautiful and fascinating. And when you get fascinated by looking at all of these things, what you'll find yourself doing is you'll find yourself curious, again, the first ingredient, strategic thinking, to learn different disciplines. And when you learn the different disciplines for just the experience of them, what you'll start doing is the more disciplines you have exposure to, the more commonalities you'll find, the more patterns you will see that are similar or the same, the more you'll be able to, even though an area, let's say you are going to learn a martial art. Well, if you have done a similar embodied practice like a martial art or yoga or something similar, you'll soon start to see some of the same principles apply. And when they teach you things in the martial art, like you'll be able to move much quicker and much faster because your your mind's going to go, oh, it's just like that other martial arts or embodied practice that I've practiced and I know it's the same principle, right? So in a lot of the physical practices, including mountaineering and climbing, which I love, and again, it's a discipline I've explored with great passion. Physically speaking, it's about the core, right? The cores which pulls all your muscles and all your strength and coordination together and really power coming from the core. And if you don't have the core steady and grounded, nothing else will help. It won't help to pump weights and get a specific muscle group strengthened if the whole body doesn't tie well together, if it doesn't coordinate well together all the parts, which all comes from the core. So, you don't need to learn that in mountaineering. If you know it from a martial arts or another sport discipline that you've practiced, this will be self-evident and apparent. It will make total sense. You won't have to learn it from scratch. So throughout my whole life, I think it comes from my dad because my dad was a true Renaissance man. He was a professor in neurology He was one of the best in not just the country, but I think in the world. He was incredibly curious and incredibly intelligent. He would constantly learn new languages. And I think he spoke, by the time he passed away, he spoke seven fluently. I grew up speaking two languages, Bulgarian and Russian, because my mom is Russian. I grew up in Bulgaria. And by the time I was six or seven years old, my dad started me on English. And then afterwards, it was time for German. At home, we had books in all kinds of languages. My family had traveled to French-speaking Africa and had lived there for part of my dad's career. So there were books in French. My dad one time spent his entire monthly salary buying an encyclopedia, old encyclopedia from the late 19th century, a German encyclopedia. It was actually Prussian. This was pre-World War I. And the way that the German language was written back then was slightly more gothic looking. So it was, it's difficult to read. Even now, if you can read like regular, you know, Latin alphabets 
and you can speak German. It's still very, very difficult to read that old script. So my dad taught me how to read it. And we would read passages from this 19th century encyclopedia in German. We had books that were the same book translated in different languages. So my dad would sit with a copy of the book in English. And I would have the copy of the book in German. And would go paragraph by paragraph. And what's interesting is that language is a system. Language is something that you can be curious about. And I would start, this is how I would learn languages. I myself have learned and spoken fluently at one point. I don't pretend to be fluent in German anymore, but I used to be earlier in my life. I actually went to German university for a semester. But here's how I would learn a language. Like I would never translate word for word. I learned from my dad just to glean information, glean the meaning of the words from the context. So I would read something in the new language and it would not make a whole lot of sense. Maybe I would understand like 20 and 30% of it. And then the more I kind of understood, maybe I could, I would look up certain keywords that were like central to the meaning of the paragraph. I would look that up in a, a dictionary And then the meaning would kind of make sense. It would be like a fill in the blanks exercise, right? It would just make sense from the context. And then you would guess what the word meant. But in your mind, you would not really translate it into another language. You would just envision it as the object. And you would say, oh, this is, this is what this word means. So you wouldn't translate it. You would just attach the new unknown word to the object. So it would be like learning language for the first time as you are a kid, I would imagine. So that's the method and, and the system that I've employed to like spot patterns. You know, I've been super interested and fascinated with different disciplines. I have studied and been initiated in two martial arts. One is Japanese, Aikido, and the other one is from the south of India, Kalari Payatu which has commonalities and is a cousin of the practice of yoga. I have been certified as a yoga teacher, but I didn't do it for the certification. I did it because I was pursuing the path of mastering that type of physical practice. Got fascinated. Well, you know, swimmer, skier, I've been just anything that gets your body moving and gets your body to interesting places in the world to explore has been a really big passion of mine. So mountain climbing, skiing, swimming, yoga. Yeah, these have been all fascinating to me. And I wish I had more. <laughs> I had more opportunity to learn even more sports. Mathematics, quantum physics, astronomy, music, arts, design, literature, crafts. It's just it never ends. And I think I got this zest for learning from my dad. My dad, <laughs> in his man cave, he would have seven or eight different translations of the Bible. Now, he was not religious, but he would study how the Bible was translated during different historic periods and how they interpreted the same word in different languages. So he literally have side by side, like six or seven different open Bibles and read them, parallel read them. He was somebody who would invent medicine. He would invent different 
ways to combine drugs or devices. I know that if he had lived not during the communist times in Eastern Europe, but during free market economy in the United States, he would have achieved great fame and fortune. Alas, that was not the case in Eastern Europe. So in summary, I would say that the way to think strategically is to change the way that you see the world, to start being curious and really learn as many unrelated different things as possible, like different languages. Again, by now I speak several Latin-based languages, so it was funny. I did a quizzes on Duolingo, the language app, and I got a something like a 33% proficiency in Italian. And I've never in my life ever had formal training in Italian. I've never taken Italian. And yet I, you know, I speak English. I speak German. I have some background in French. But it's mostly because I grew up listening and watching French movies, which were subtitled. So as a child, I would just understand French because... That was the language that was on TV a lot of the time. So my, my knowledge of Italian derives from me being able to spot the root of each word, which would be the same across the Latin-based languages. So I would just guess what, what it meant. I would be able to understand it or even um, say it, right? Even guess what word it would be in that language. So, for example, credibility or create the root as C-R-E or CRE, you know, which is truth or creation. You can spot the same roots across different words in different languages. It really makes it a lot easier. And then Pick a different topic to explore for a period of time, like three months or six months to start really understanding and immersing yourself in it and start drawing parallels. So that's kind of what actually lights me up about living life. I could never see myself. Honestly, this would be the death of me. And I know that for some people, it is what they like. Uh, the same thing day in and day out, comfort, having a very nice home, maybe a second home, and spending the rest of your life in this predictable pattern of going in between those homes, doing the same things every day, the same things every year, visiting only the same places, interacting with the same people. But that honestly suffocates me. And if you're person like me, then new experiences, new adventures are the lifeblood of your life. And that's the fuel in my experience for strategic thinking, connecting the dots, seeing the patterns, the incredible curiosity that drives it all. And I just looked at the type of people that my friends and, and colleagues who I bring into the group coaching program, into the product executive accelerator. And I kind of laugh because most companies who do executive coaching for people in technology, you know, they have very predictable people on staff who 
are trained in the corporate ways, come from a corporate environment, understand the language of corporate hierarchy, have, you know, the MBA credential, have some sort of other credential, you know, have all the right checkboxes trained, and they're all very similar because they speak the same language. And when I look at the people that I'm bringing into my group coaching program with the Product Executive Accelerator, there's an acting coach who lives in an Aikido dojo currently. You know, he came and we are in the middle of his workshops, actually. He came in and took half of the group through a an auditioning process that he uses with children when he teaches them acting or auditioning skills, right? I also have one of my mentors, Lydia Brady, who's the first woman to climb Everest without oxygen. She doesn't have formal training in anything remotely related to corporate. She's been climbing mountains all her life, and yet she's one of the most, one of the strongest, wisest, the most mature people I've met. So she's coming in to train women in tech on mindset and how not to give up when the going gets tough. So I kind of chuckle because really it's it's the type of people that you would never ever expect to kind of come in and do like a standard executive coaching type of programming. But that's why I love my life and that's why I love what I'm creating here for the product executive women. And I have a big vision. I have a vision that all of us who are women and who oftentimes feel isolated and disempowered in this very fast moving, still very male dominated field. I have a vision that we are just going to knock the socks off of everybody else by banding together, by empowering each other, by, you know, having fun together, by supporting each other and by reinvigorating and re-inspiring each other. And there's going to be a new wave of badass female executives out there in tech very, very soon. So I'm so glad that you guys are listening. And I would love to hear your comments. If you're seeing this on Facebook, please comment below. If not, you can always email me at lisa at Athena Strategy Partners. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, send to a friend, or leave a review. The best way to connect is to register for the next free Product VP Challenge at productvpchallenge.com. Until next time, keep climbing and keep enjoying the climb.